Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Hardy Realty Show here on Rome Business Radio. I'm Roger Manus. We are broadcasting from the Manus Business Center, and we are inside the Hardy Realty Studios, and we work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune. Hello, Michelle Reichert. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm just hunky-dory, as we say down south. Michelle is our representative from Hardy Realty here on the show today. And Michelle, you have brought a guest with you. Would you mind introducing our guest, please, ma'am? Yes. Today, we have Grant Magnus with Mission is Possible. Um, We were kind of just talking about amongst ourselves what Mission is Possible um, does and is. And for me, in my simple terms, um, I've seen it firsthand and just truly where um, there's a need, there's no is not an answer. And so the mission is always possible when set forth. Um, I'll let Grant speak to more of exactly what their um, business structure or um, business framing is. But and to me, just knowing them and witnessing them, it's a place where no is not an answer and the challenge is always accepted. Wow. That's very well said. Okay, that's Out of the, the park. The, there we go. Okay, we're done now. Yeah, Short ended, podcast. Thank you, Michelle. Into the show. Uh, well, Grant, can you expand upon that any? What, uh, actually, it's a great name. Mission is possible. Well, so, thank you. Thank um, you. Start with that and tell us what your mission is. Okay, so you want to go to background of this thing all the way from the beginning, uh, immediate? Uh, what picture do you want me to well, paint? Well, just let's give us a broad overview of what it is you guys are about, and then we can do background. Sure. Um, so we are the Mission is Possible Foundation. We're a 501c3. Um, we operate uh, locally. Our mission, uh, stated mission, is to advance local outreach by educating and empowering local volunteers of all ages and all abilities. Uh, and that's what we do. You will find us uh, often you will see us involved with the special needs community because that happens to be a particular mission that we've had the opportunity to connect with um, and be a part of. We are not exclusively a special needs foundation at all. Uh, we're basically in the business of advocating um, and trying to advance with people uh, the awareness that every person has a blessing or a gift. And there is somewhere, someplace, someone that could really benefit from that gift. And we try to come alongside people and help them make that flow from blessing to need and opportunity. And we believe when that happens, that's just a really special, sacred, kind of high and holy moment that gives back in ways that it's hard to really verbalize. So that's what you'll see us doing. Sometimes it's through helping with the Shining Star Special Needs Cheer Team. Uh, We have an event called the Birthday Club. uh, And then we have an entire area called Random Acts of Jesus, where kind of like Michelle said, no can't be the answer. So we find a way. Well, I was just going to say, obviously, we chatted a little bit before the podcast, but there's, there's some preacher in you. I can tell by the way you talk, there's some preacher in you. It's not even the message. It's just the way you deliver the message. There's some preacher in you. (laughs) I I believe in the priesthood of all believers. (laughs) Um, So um, what kind of got you started with Mission is Possible? What's what's the background? Okay, so I'm a lifelong idealist, if you've ever known me for very long. Um, So you just have to know that about me. Wow, I can go really far back. So the short version of this, which there's no short, is um, so I came to Barry. I'm from Winder, Georgia. Um, I have the distinction of being the only member of my immediate family, sisters-in-law included, that did not choose to go to the University of Georgia. So I'm kind of the Barry Emory reject of my family. I did correct oh, was it, was that. It, was it because you couldn't get in? No, it actually wasn't that at all. It was actually it was cheaper for me. I got more scholarship award at Barry than Georgia. Well, there so you go. It was, okay. It was cheaper uh, for me to go live at Barry than to commute to Georgia. So that, believe it or not. Um, but uh, but I started my my father's a pharmacist. I grew up in a medical family, and so I decided that um, that I wanted to be a doctor. I was also a hypochondriac, and I wanted to be able to self diagnose. Right, so I remember getting to Barry in the fall of '92, um, and they would hand you your schedule if you were a pre med major, and they said, "Okay, you get to pick one elective because otherwise we've already got your schedule picked." I remember looking down on the the option of classes and seeing 
Introduction to the New Testament, Gonzalez. And I thought, well, I always grew up going to church. That's going to be my easy A because I'm really worried about some of the science I'm taking. So I added that course, um, and it was just, it was life changing. Within a year, I was, transitioned. Was Gonzalez the instructor? Yeah, I'm, not I'm fam- sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, <laughs> I'm not familiar with the yes, book of the, Gonzalez uh, in the yeah, New Testament. No, well, the, the late Reverend Dr. Jorge Gonzalez. Um, so, but he was the instructor, and it just fundamentally changed my life. The idea that you really could have a brain, an analytical brain, an intellectual approach to faith, but still have a passionate faith. Um, so by my next year, I changed to religion philosophy major, but I continued in the pre-med course of study just to make sure I was totally insane. So between the humanities at Barry the Evans and Cook building, I was totally dying. Um, but I wound <laughs> up by the third year deciding, I mean, religion philosophy, that's where I want to go. Um, and so I, I did that. I finished at Barry. Um, I enrolled at Emory at the Cantor School of Theology, and I did a Master of Theological Studies there, thinking that I was on the way. Um, I wanted to be a college professor and teach the way that, that Dr. Gonzalez had impacted me. Um, but I remember my second year at Emory, back up. So I had a job offer right down in Atlanta, 20 minutes from Emory, good salary, good benefits, all the thing. And so I asked Dr. Gonzalez to write a letter of recommendation for me, which he agreed to do. But what he didn't tell me is he called a local pastor at the church where he attended, Trinity United Methodist Church, and said, hey, one of my students is getting ready to graduate and go to theology school. Y'all need a youth minister. You need to get this guy. So their offer was, well, we can't pay you anywhere near the salary that they're offering you in Atlanta, and you'll have to commute four days a week, 70 miles each way. But we hear your girlfriend still has two years left to go at Barry, so you can, um, you'll can you be in the same time with her. And I go, hey, sold, done, right? So I made that decision. Um, so, But in that, what I'm trying to get is, to— is, is girlfriend now wife? Yes, very much so, very much so. <laughs> or is it, was it hey, a different girl? No, <laughs> no. I saw her. I remember the first time I saw her French class, 1990, fall of 94 in Barry. I never looked anywhere else. Um, but, uh, but kind of with this background, and I was certainly honored to be able to serve in a place that had kind of been a holy place for a huge influence in my life, uh, Dr. Gonzalez. But kind of through that process, the evolution that happened for me, I remember being my second year at theology school and a 15-year-old youth coming up, and, and she was very intellectual. She actually, her brother went to Harvard Divinity um, year, year, a few years later, but uh, she said, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm thinking about this whole God, some man in the sky, old, this is crazy, this is just not intellectually sound, so I want to be an atheist. And at the time, I was studying it at theology school and, uh, with a guy named Ted Runyon, who's a brilliant systematic theologian. We were studying the theology of Paul Tillich, who's a whole other story. But, but one of the things that Tillich would do is he would say, instead of thinking of God in terms of height, how about God in terms of depth, grounding, foundation? And I thought that was brilliant. So as soon as this 15-year-old throws this, I'm going to be an atheist because I don't believe in some God in the sky floating around like an old Santa Claus, I said, well, would you ever consider thinking of God in terms of depth instead of terms of height? She's like, Okay, never mind. That's cool. I don't want to be an atheist. But where I'm going with this is through that, I realized you know, there's a, there are lines miles long of folks trying to get PhDs and teach in a college. Very few people want to stay and teach in a church. And I just, for me, I found calling doing that. So for about 18 years, that, that's what I did. I took my, my theological education from Barry and from Emory um, and tried to serve young people. Um, in that process, I'm getting to that, that the answer of this. Um, in 2000, we had developed a really good relationship with Gaucher First United Methodist Church. We would go every Labor Day weekend. We would go down there and experience God's grace. If you're in youth ministry and a church says they're going to feed you, that means hot dogs or pizza. It's in the Bible. It's in the book of Second Opinions. Look it up. You'll find it. Um, so I'll never forget. That's, that's we, preacher humor. There you go. We, re, we roll into, I have really bad yeah, preacher humor. Um, we've got dad jokes and preacher exactly. jokes. Go yeah. ahead. How do you know God's a baseball fan? Because the Bible get, begins in the big, big inning. inning. Thank you. Go. There you go. So we can get to, we can get to better ones. But, but we had a great relationship with, with this church. But the first time they invited us to come down there, you don't know where Gaucher is, and you can't find it on accident. Um, but we, we met them at a connection, and they said, come down. And they said, we're going to feed you. Well, guys, kids, get ready. Here comes the hot dogs and the. Uh, 
and the pizza. And so we walked into their family life center and we see like, you know, the eight foot long folding tables that are issued to every church, right? They're just lined up end to end to end. And it's like fried catfish and jambalaya and gumbo and homemade pound cake and like bacon wrapped green beans. And we, we thought we've broken into like the United Methodist women's meeting, right? And all of a sudden Janine Baxter, who's this wonderful lady steps out and says, welcome. And we're like, well, this is for us. And so we ate for four days and still couldn't feel it all. So just the hospitality and generosity that that place would extend to us every year just really blew us away. And so in 2005, we were supposed to be there for that Labor Day, but instead Hurricane Katrina beat us there. Um, And that was just the devastation that was the impact of Katrina and especially just the flooding that came from that, the storm surge. You know, we knew people. We were on the phone with people whose houses we'd been in, who had served us. We'd broken bread with them, and their house was three blocks back. It had been washed away. The devastation was amazing, but because we had that connection, um, it put us in a position where we could respond. So instead of being able to go to Go Show that weekend, we we diverted and we went to another church, actually in North Carolina, we had a good connection with. But part of that weekend, you know, we were being very impacted by just seeing the suffering going on, and um, and there'd been a larger conversation throughout the ministry. You know, how can we be more involved? How can we be more impactful? How can we really put hands and feet behind these ideas and concepts we talk about and sing about? Um, and so the last night of that retreat weekend for the devotional, I took an offering, which is a weird thing to do with young people because they don't have the money. They have to ask their mom and dad. But I said, I'm not, I'm not interested in your money. I want you to think of something, you know, something that you think you can have to give, a gifting that you have. And somewhere or someplace you could think about needing it. And I want you to write that on a piece of paper and bring that to the altar. Um and so one of the young people that did that, her name was at the time was Sarah Pope. She's now married. Her father, Kevin, was the, uh, uh, why am I going, uh, county manager. Goodness gracious, oh, yeah. county manager. I was going to say program. No, he's county manager for Floyd for a, a long time. And um, she said, you know, in her expression, we need to find a way. And she and her family had actually spent six months in Paraguay, a, a long-term mission. But she just said, it's great to do mission. It's great to see outreach happen the way it can happen internationally, but we need to find a way. And I know we can make mission more possible here. I said, so you mean mission is possible, not impossible. She said, yes, that. And so mission is possible was born. Um, we were Methodists. And if you're a Methodist, it means if you put it on a calendar, you have to do it. Um, that's where <laughs> Methodists come from. When a sloppy Catholic meets a dispassionate Baptist, you get a Methodist and then they start writing things on calendars. Um, I'm you should the, do stand up. There you go. Well, I'm the, I'm the fourth generation baptized Methodist in my family and my kids are the fifth. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the system. Love but, uh, but so we sat down, uh, and we, we picked, pulled out a church calendar and we picked one Sunday a month for the next 12 months. And we will go to early church and Sunday school and Michelle's mom would feed us Rice Krispie treats and then we would go out in the in the community with four or five teams all led by young people. I'd have a senior youth who was in charge of being the program director for that and they would be in charge of making all the contacts and scheduling all the outreach and we just did that and we we did it for for years and years and it was amazing and impactful. Um we saw young people especially um the connection with Hot Shots cuz my wife owns it as a cheer gym. Uh, kind of simultaneously as Mission as Possible was developing, uh, we were approached by a local group of parents, especially these kids. It was called the Floyd County Navigators, and they were advocates in the community to create additional opportunities for special needs kids and families. They had approached Hot Shots in 2008 saying, you know, there are special needs cheer teams and y'all should have one here too. And we said, absolutely, so let's do it. Um, and then shortly after that, the the same group of parents said, well, you know, you guys have the open gyms for allegedly normal kids in the words of 
the great care of more normal is just a setting on a dryer, but whatever normal means, but why could you do something like that for special needs kids? Absolutely. Um, and so the birthday club was born as a way of, of one Sunday a month um, being able to offer a kind of a parent respite day where they can drop their special needs kids and siblings off and we feed them pizza and have a great time playing and have birthday cake and anybody with a birthday gets a present that month. So those were two opportunities that through the context of the, the ministry, the youth ministry that was Mission as Possible, could kind of plug into an interface with with Hot Shots and participate in that. There have been several youth that are now in full-time special education kind of from that connection. Um, so it was just amazing and beautiful sometimes. And the most phenomenal thing about that is if I said, okay, youth, we're going to go on a trip to the beach, about 50 kids would show up. And if I said, okay, youth, it's a Mission as Possible Sunday, we're going to go in July, we're going to go cut some people's grass that's knee-high with like a, a weed eater, about 50 people would show up. And that's how you know that you're getting it right. You're not being entertainment-driven, consumer-driven. Um, you're being very much spirit-driven. Um, so youth-led, spirit-driven, mission-centered, kingdom-bound. That was the concept of that ministry. And in the fullness of time and at the right time, um, it was time for, instead of that ministry operating under kind of more of a traditional church umbrella, uh, for it to operate under kind of its own umbrella, which is in 2016 became the Mission Is Possible Foundation. We're a local 501c3, and again, we advance local outreach by educating and empower local volunteers of all ages and abilities. And we really mean all ages from like, I mean, come to one of our events, and we really mean all abilities. Well, it's a great name. Thank you. Yeah, argue with it. Say it's not. I dare you. I don't believe Mission Spot. Okay. Well, sorry. Sad I, I, life. I wouldn't dare. Michelle, how do you guys know each other? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Grant and I um, do go way back. Um, he was my youth minister at Trinity. So this is a program and concept and way of life just that I've been a part of for I mean, I'm not going to put my age out there either, but a long time. Um, so, so you're still on in the youth program there? <laughs> but if you I'm saw Jan or Michelle, you'd think, I think they still are. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it's now something that Avery, my 11 year old does. Um, she's at birthday club every Sunday. And that is just kind of her. Um, she has taken on that mission and she really looks forward to it. Mm-hmm. And she puts it on the calendar. Um, I think everyone finds their um, calling and something mm-hmm. special to them. And Avery at birthday club is a, is a monthly, um, must do for her. And it doesn't make me feel old at all to have the daughter of one of my former youth there. Not even a little playing with, but playing with my daughter. So it's just beautiful. Well, um, I did want to ask you, but between your, your wife and Dr. Gonzalez, is your wife from Rome? No, my wife's from Kissimmee, Florida. First time I met her dad, she says, you know, they call it kissing me at night. I was horrified. Um, I would never admit to kissing you in front of your dad. Um, but uh, no, she's from Kissimmee, Florida. And like I said, I'm from Winder. We actually met at Barry. So so Barry brought y'all to college here. That's how y'all met. Correct. But but Rome could have just been your collegiate stop sure. had Dr. Gonzalez not gotten involved in, in Trinity United Methodist, right? And, and you've been basically here ever since? Yeah, correct. We uh, Neither of us planned long-term to... Uh, to probably reside in Rome. We love Rome. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. But yeah, we never just, just going. To, I'm just going down the road of you never know what door is going to open and what, what. I mean, what what calling? I mean, this Amen. this you're you're trying to create opportunities for others to find ways to bless others, but yet this thing kind of opened in front of you. Amen. And uh, oh wow! Um, if you want to make God laugh, tell him what you're going to do tomorrow because <laughs> you don't know. But it's uh, it's a, it's a blessing and and wonderful and all the. And all the things. So technically, actually, Rachel and I, because um, we're both early birthdays. I'm an August birthday, so I was always the youngest. I'm an August 30th birthday, so I was always the youngest kid in my class. And Rachel from Florida is a December birthday, but for some reason, they still let her start like a year early. So actually, 
when both she and I arrived in Rome, we were technically 17. So I think that means we could say we're from Rome because we weren't technically adults <laughs> when we got here. Okay, We, we both became Still majors, 18-year-olds, as residents of Rome. So I think we can claim it. What kind of what kind of a uh, of a youth student was Michelle? <laughs> no, she's just fa- she was fabulous. She oh was, come on! I mean, well, no, because she's I mean like she's a, it's just again I'm I, I can't just, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm I don't wanna, no but really what the amazing thing about I think when you if you approach things with a very mission based approach and and just the you know part of willingness to do mission an assumption there is truly the equality of people right this oh, is sure. not this has nothing to do with where you live or what you look like or what color you are or what words you know or don't know about Jesus or anybody else in the world it's about recognizing just innate value and innate need and innate gifting and kind of making that connect and one of the really cool things about the the youth ministry that Michelle was a part of and I was blessed for 18 years to be involved with was just to see that range of people and it didn't, again, the, the, the stereotypes or the cliques or whatever you would see in a school context, it just did not exist that way in the context of the of the ministry that, that, that she was participating in. And I can't take credit for that. You know, that that was something that they as young people decided we can let church just be another gathering, a social gathering, just like school, just like cheerleading, just like football, whatever. Um, but we already have plenty of those. Or we can let this be a special place where we truly are willing to be open and honest and vulnerable. Um, and fine. If you're an awesome athlete like Michelle, who's a great cheerleader and beautiful and all the things you can act snooty or snotty, or you can take that and go, and I'm going to be the first person to welcome somebody here that feels uncomfortable. It's just amazing. It's, it's you know, people that have natural leadership ability and capability like that and talent and blessing that can spend more time thinking, how can I use this to lift other people up and encourage other people and welcome other people? That's what changes the world. And she certainly is, is a part of that because she's from that. She couldn't get out of if she wanted to. She's from her grandfather and her mother and father. And so she's from a straight line of, of people of incredible abilities and incredible gifting that see the fullest manifestation of that and finding a way to use that to help other people. And that's just true. Well, that must make you all feel all warm and fuzzy. That was very nice. I know. <laughs> That's it. I'm also like making me nervous. <laughs> like she doesn't like to be talked about. Um, so uh, I wanted to circle back around to something you mentioned earlier. You talk about you know blessings and providing blessings, and so your wife owns Hot Shots. Correct. Okay. So thank you, Brian Sheely. He made sure as our accountant that she was 51 <laughs> percent under that, so I would have no control. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> Uh, it's probably best. Um, yeah, he reminds me of that often too. <laughs> so I guess what I'm looking for here is a way to say, so this was, that already existed. Correct. And you found a way to connect mission is possible with hot shots. So right. I guess my point is anybody listening, you may be in a business, you may have something going on and you've never thought about how can I use this resource, this, this business, this thing that I do every day to be a blessing. You guys did it with the cheerleading thing. Correct. Right. With so, the shining stars. So, so, so what, what would you, what advice would you give to people out there um, that maybe hadn't considered sure. something, but they probably could. Sure. Well, to start with, I would say, and I don't know if this is, this is Grant speaking as a, as a business owner for a long time, but also as a, as a, a leader uh, in a nonprofit foundation, I think just stewardship is huge. Um, and, and, and not trying to find replication and redundancy um, kind of stay in your lane what's being done out there and offered what's not being done out there and really make sure you're trying to divert time to, to find those areas where there is need that's not being met 
versus a redundancy that can really just cause uh, it can cause challenges at a bunch of levels, right? Okay, yeah, so, that makes sense. So technically, in the uh, when I was no longer doing this under the umbrella of a church model, and we were going to do it um, under a, like again a, a nonprofit model. I believe in education. I felt like I had to go to Barry for four years and Emory for two years just to be a good youth minister. So I, I want to feel like I'm competent. Um, and so I, I was able to take a, a professional certificate program through Duke University for nonprofit management. And so it was really through that training um, that I was first introduced to the idea um, of like a strategic partnership, right? So what what the relationship technically between Hotshots Cheerleading and Tumbling Center, which is an S-type for-profit corporation, and Mission is Possible Foundation, which is a 501c3, is we have a strategic partnership. There are facility space, particularly, that Hot Shots is set up and able to provide um, and happens to be owned, 51% of which by a woman who is very gracious and very generous um, and truly compassionate and has always been willing to give of herself and her time and her facilities. Mission is Possible as a foundation didn't come on board until 2016 to even begin to kind of help with fundraising for some of these these partnerships. Hotshots was funding that solely starting in 2008 and never asked, actually starting as far back as 2005 with the birthday club uh, on Sunday afternoon once a week. So that's been something they were on board with as a corporation to do regardless of partnership or not. But if you understand the concept of strategic partnership, it really can make sense. And there's nothing wrong with a nonprofit and a for-profit choosing to partner together if they feel like it can bring a great value to the community. So that's what we, that's what we're able to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so your, your funding model is just really trying to find ways to work together. Correct. Um, and, and to also, uh, so obviously things like if you're a for-profit corporation, I mean, you, you don't take donations. That's really, it's not set up to do that, right? Um, whereas a nonprofit corporation, that's actually fundamentally how it exists. So things like the Shining Star Special Needs Cheer Team, that was an opportunity that, that Hot Shots accepted from the Floyd County Navigators. Uh, but just as an S-type corporation, we were, we were funding that solely. Um, that's not a money-making program that's not it's truly an outreach right so the ability to a part the ability to partner with a nonprofit structure allows people to respond that want to respond and say hey this is wonderful i want to believe in this i want to be a part of this you can do it and at least it's set up in a way um that, that you, they can make contributions um and at some level i mean you, you can get a tax benefit that's not the reason anyone gives by the way people give because they they believe in what they see and they want to see more of it in the world so so shining stars birthday club what, what any what other programs so those are as, as far as the mission is possible foundation goes, yes. right so those are those are the two programs that we have a direct partnership with hot shots and it's really as simple as rachel again who's wonderful and gracious and own hot shot says yes you can use the gym anytime you want it to do outreach thank you mm-hmm. um the uh but as far as regular kind of recurring events, so the Shining Stars is a four-month season. It's for special needs cheerleaders. Um, it begins in late July. We have a full week of camp with the kids. They learn a real cheerleading routine, put on a real cheerleading uniform. Our two coaches have very great connection, actually, with Hot Shots. Emily Thompson, who is an educator here in the Rome City School System, uh, and Amanda Williams, who's an educator in the Chattooga County School Systems. Uh, they both grew up training at Hot Shots. Uh, they've, uh, Emily uh in another world, in 2008, when Shorter University decided to start a competitive cheer program, they emailed Rachel, my wife, and said, will you do this too? And she said yes, and she won four consecutive NCAA college national championships in the first four years. She became the first 
team coach in shorter history to ever win a college national championship, not to mention she was a female coach doing it. She did it four years straight in a row and had three children in the four years. So she is the super <laughs> wow. one, okay, of the world. But, but, but let's but, see Nick Saban top that. There you go. I'm, I'm telling you, it's amazing. So, but but Emily cheered for, for Rachel at Shorter, and Hawk cheered for us. Sorry, Amanda Williams, we call her Hawk, um, cheered for us as an all-star at Hot Shots. Having said that, um, Emily won a college championship with Shorter and – Hawk won an NCAA college national championship with Kennesaw State. So it's really cool. The two lead coaches of the Shining Stars team are themselves like national champion caliber wow, coaches. Best. And that's just, exactly. And that's just how they see calling. So uh, Wendy Williams is one of our lead volunteers with the foundation. And what she does is she's kind of the interface between the coaches handle the, the, the instruction of the cheerleaders, but then there's the parent d- dimension of the other side of that and the special accommodations and awareness you need when you're dealing with special needs kids and families. And so Wendy is just this amazing interface between the parental side representing the Mission Possible Foundation uh, and then the training side, which is kind of sponsored through Hot Shots. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, so it's amazing. Uh, they kick off their first performance every year is at cheerleading night of the Coosa Valley Fair. They're the first team that you see go, um, and there are hundreds and hundreds of people there to get to watch them. Uh, there's a, a regional event we do called the Rock and Cheer Pep Rally. When I say we, I mean Hot Shots on the Rachel side. Um, and we invite local middle and high schools to come and participate, kind of leading up to region and state championship. The Shining Stars are the first uh, team that performs there. And then, and they just got back from this last uh, week ago Saturday. So for the about the last four years, um, they've been invited to be the exhibition team at the Georgia High School State Cheerleading Championship Finals. So those kids get to take the floor out there. It's now been moved to Macon to the Centerplex, and there will literally be thousands of, of young people from the biggest schools all across the state of Georgia. Um, they give them a standing ovation, and they get their cheer is "Let your light shine, let your light shine," and that's what they do. So that is just an amazing. It's an amazing program. It's phenomenal to see that happen. Um, it's fully funded by fundraising, um, and that's something again that the mission is possible. Foundation can come on board and say, great, Hot Shots, can you provide the space? Can you provide these coaches to help do it? Great. We're going to help fundraise on our side to make sure these kids can do it and it can be accessible, right? So if that sounds like something you could believe in or you want to see more of in this world, if you go to missionispossible.net, there's a link. It says the Shining Stars. Click on it. It lets you know this is what we do. Um, for 60 bucks a month, you can fully fund a Shining Star for their entire season. Well, that actually brings me to my next question. I was going to ask for anybody who's listening. What what is your overall message here for a call to action? How what what, what do you need? Do you need dollars? Do you need volunteers? Sure. Do you need do you need people just to get their hearts touched and go do something sure. on their own? What do you what do you need? So this is where I'll get in trouble with my board. Except I have a great board. But most most nonprofit leaders would. So um, the first thing we will always tell you at Mission Is Possible is the first thing you need to send is you. There is a there is a spiritual high holy event. Um, that happens when you find yourself knowing that you have some giving or blessing and in the presence of need and you help make that flow. You can write a check for $5 million. It's, it's different, right? So first and foremost, send you. Uh, if there's a way to show up for a birthday club, great, do it. If there's a way to come support the Shining Stars, great, do it. And I just, I really do believe in a primacy of that, okay? Um, having said that, of course we need funding. You know, that, that's a mistake that people make thinking nonprofit, um, it, it's a corporation like any other corporation. It's a bottom line like any other bottom line, right? If you don't have stable, sustainable, regular funding, um, then you'll not, you, you won't exist any longer than Chick-fil-A would exist if they didn't have regular, regular sustainable funding. We fund Chick-fil-A by going and buying, you know, great Chick-fil-A sandwiches, and they're wonderful and incredible. And they're a great organization that gives back to the community even as a for-profit, right? Um, hot shots can only exist because people go, hey, these are good people and honorable people, and they love kids and teach them good tricks, right? That, that's what makes it happen. In a nonprofit, it's kind of a different mechanism where we do have to, to, to let people know what we're doing, 
why we're doing it, why it matters, and how they can help. And so there's no question at a funding level, especially at this time of year, that is a key area of support. You asked about other things we do. Um, the birthday club is a once a month. That's a parent respite afternoon. It's again, it's it's sponsored or at hot shots. So parents drop the kids off and siblings. So especially children and siblings included, uh, they get to play for about two hours. We eat pizza, we eat birthday cake, and anybody with a birthday gets a present. Special needs families will tell you there aren't necessarily always 50 people at, at their kids' birthdays, but they are at the birthday club, which is really amazing. And But that's just one dimension of what's going on. So let me kind of go back into that idea of sending the gift of you. Um, so uh, we are a grace-based foundation, uh, which means but for God's grace that I don't know why any of us are here anyway. Um, but there's a, there's a really powerful story, and it's in, it's in the Gospel of Matthew, and, um, and it talks about the idea um, – Jesus is telling the story about how, you know, you can separate the people of the world like sheep and goats, right? And um, and, it, and it goes on to say, you know, you guys are found, you're the sheep, right? You've done right. And and the sheep go, what do you mean we did right? We're surprised. Well, I'll tell you I did right because I was hungry and you fed, fed me and you were, I was naked and you clothed me. Um, and, and Jesus goes on to say, when you did this to the least of these, you were doing it to me. So it's it's very common for people to think, well, I'm going to go be Jesus to somebody by serving them. But that's only half of the coin. You got to flip that coin over because what that what that's particular teaching is digging into is saying, wait a second, you're serving Jesus. You're meeting Jesus in that person. So the ability to to interact that way and to see those blessings is just is just amazing. So where I'm going with that is the benefit of the volunteers is at least as much as the benefit of those families and kids we're serving. So say a birthday club, there are at least three missions going on. For those parents, especially these kids, they're gonna breathe for at least two hours. Maybe they go home and sleep. Maybe they go out to eat, right? But they're going to get respite. Okay, they're going to get Sabbath. For the children that were that are getting to be there, they're at the cool gym where everybody loves them. They can't wait to see them. They're playing and jumping and bouncing, and that that in and of itself is amazing. For those volunteers, they're not just getting to serve. It, it's true inclusion, and that's something Keith Reed is one of our regular volunteers at Birthday Club. He's a special educator for forty years, um, and. Uh, and he just talks about how one of the unique things is when special needs kids are in the school system, and it's great, this is not a critique of that at all, but there's just a different structured path they have to go on. The context of Birthday Club is it's from allegedly fully functional kids from as young as nine to as old as 80, and then the range of special needs kids from four up to their 20s, and siblings included, it's just like a kingdom of God moment. It's different colors. It is different backgrounds. It is the widest range of socioeconomic range you could ever see. There have been at least four preachers from three different religious traditions that have come to me and attended a birthday club and say, Grant, I want you to hear this from me because you won't say it about yourself. When this event happens, this is as much church going on in this community as anything else going on. Uh, and, and I believe that that really is true. So, But just that inclusion, the connection, the relationships that are built, not because of special abilities or special needs, but actually in spite of, and that's just magic to watch. But yes, we need people to fund that, um, you know, for 40 bucks a month, go to missionispossible.net, click on the birthday club link. You can read about it for 40 bucks a month. You would fund one birthday club a year. You'd make sure that was there. I would love to be able to tell you, you know what? We have 12 monthly donors so that we know going into 2022, we've got funding for, for the next 12 months. We would love that. Um, I would love to tell you that we've got 16 regular donors that are funding the Shining Stars, so we know there are 16 spots waiting for the next season. That's not where we are yet, but we're certainly well on our way. Um, and we actually are celebrating a really great um, – we have outreach called Random Acts of Jesus, which, again, somebody calls on the phone, this needs to be done, and we find a way to do it. Um, we also kind of have this random act of giving, and people are really generous that way. Like Giving Tuesday is sort of a random act of giving, right? It's a, it's a one-way thing. It's an event, and we had a wonderful uh, – a wonderful response, wonderful response on Tuesday, uh, but that that really does not 
replace being able to know at a sustainable level, are we lined up to keep doing what we know we're already doing and then even think about expanding and growing. Well, whoever, who came up with the, the branding of for random act of Jesus? Is that, that's, uh, actually the story is, so we were, it was still under the most mission as possible was, was, was under a great a, branding, great you. names, yeah. catchy, memorable. Thank you. Yeah. So well, I'm going to go somewhere with that. So the, um, it was still under the umbrella of, of the church and it was in the fall. And so we were, uh, it was actually really funny because hot shots had just bought a box truck and wrapped it like a uh, Philip at high tech. They wrapped it with awesome like logos everywhere. And so now I had a box truck with my wife's permission that I could also, so now MIP basically owned a box truck cause they could use it anytime they wanted to or then church. Could. So I remember, um, taking the box truck because we were going to rake at some people's houses. It's like, man, if you can put the the leaves in a box truck, what a deal, right? And I let one of the youth drive it. And the youth was not aware in a box truck when it leans, the box leans with it. And so we literally had just gotten it from Philip wrapped. It was very expensive to wrap it. And this youth random is able to actually drag it across a pine tree and just like scrape it all the way down the side. I had to tell Rachel that she was, she was not totally happy with me, but anyway, so I was trying to explain, I was like, honey, we were just doing random acts of leak of, of, of raking, random acts of raking. That's what we were doing. Right. So it was random acts of raking. And then as we thought about, well, th- that random act of raking that we we're doing is actually a random act of Jesus. Right. So that introduced random act of Jesus kind of into the lingo and, um, and, and then giving Tuesday as I was thinking about the balance between, you know, uh, spontaneous giving and sustainable giving. That's a random act of giving. Yeah. We're on a random act of radio in some ways. <laughs> sure we are. Uh, Michelle, at some point we're going to do a show dedicated to your cheerleading career. I have pictures. <laughs> It'll be short. <laughs> oh, this is podcast, I but we, I guess we could put it on social media. So um, I guess it's kind of to, to wrap up here. I wanted to follow up on something he had said about how those who participate you said your daughter goes to the birthday club mm-hmm. just so she's one she thinks she's serving but i would imagine as a parent you're proud as heck because oh, yeah. she's the, just the yeah it's so it's just a normal monthly occurrence she doesn't think anything of it um and that's just um it's a beautiful thing it really is and you can go they have windows you can look in the garage so and i never want to interrupt her element Cause I don't want her to think anything other than um, she's just doing something on a random Sunday, yeah. you know, and just doing something that she um, loves, but it is, it is incredibly special. You're supposed to be on a respite while that's happening instead of going to look through the windows, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and it really, it's her, she and my mom, they're the ones it's, it's become more so their thing. Um, gotcha. And I pitch in occasionally, but I, I love that they um, have created that bond at that. And Rowan, Avery's first cousin, has been yeah. able to come to and plug in as well. So, um, well, Grant, what is what's your website information, social media permission as possible, all that? How can people get, connect, get in touch, support? Sure. So, if you go to the website, that's missionispossible.net. It'll give you a basic overview of the main programs. Um, I even hate using the word programs because if a program could have fixed something, God would have sent a program, right? Um, what fixes any of us is in the in person, eye to eye, face to face, in flesh interaction, right? Connection. That that's that's what we all need. And that's where that's where healing starts and, and where it can end. Um, but uh, but you can find out information about 
more regular scheduled acts of Jesus. If you think about that way, if you go to missionispossible.net, it'll give you an overview of that. You'll see the shining stars. You'll see the birthday club. Um, you'll see some other opportunities uh, to be involved with. You can sign up to get regular emails and stuff like that if you'd like to. We do have a presence on social media through Facebook at Believe in MIP. Not just at Believe in MIP. Sorry, at Believe in MIP for pretty active, active Facebook. Uh, page and following so those are the two great ways to do it you'll find my personal cell phone number i'm sure on the website so i'm not very pretentious or protective about that so you know call me up um we can't save everything and we can't do everything but in our lane right in the areas that again where we have good alignment between gifting and blessings that that we as an organization have been given and or that volunteers within our organization are aware of um, as we're able to align that with need we we do our best to make it flow perfect well, once again, Michelle, thanks to you and Hardy Realty because um, as I as Amen. I sing y'all's praises, um, we, you know we use this platform every month to talk about the great things going on in our community. We don't talk about home sales or the real estate market, um, even though that's your that's your business. That's how you make your living. So, just thanks to Hardy for taking advantage of the platform to use it in this positive way. Absolutely. Uh, but if somebody does want to buy or sell a house, how can they reach out to you? <laughs> Um, well, hardyrealty.com and that will um, send you to just, um, an option of a lot of great agents within Hardy. Look, listen to her. She, she won't even, okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. This has been great. Grant, thanks for stopping by. Michelle, appreciate it. You've been listening to the Hardy Realty Show as we broadcast from the Hardy Realty Studios inside the Maintenance Business Center. And we work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune. Thanks again for listening.